Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome to the Monday, July 27th edition of Locked On Dolphins. The rookies are in the building. Glitch is in the building. Dolphins players in Davy this morning, ahead of tomorrow's report date for training camp. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And we have lots to get into today. A busy, 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 busy weekend. We had roster transactions. We had a trade with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, We have what's currently transpiring with the Florida Marlins that I think needs to be talked about as well. But the first thing we need to do, as I said, there there were transactions, and I want to deep dive into these transactions today. Um, But first, you have to know who they are. So let's set the table and let's catch everybody up with what went down for the Miami Dolphins throughout the course of this weekend. The Miami Dolphins traded for Chicago Bears tight end Adam Shaheen over the weekend, trading a conditional seventh-round pick to acquire the former top 50 selection. Shaheen is expected to come to the Dolphins and battle for the tight end two spot with Durham Smythe. Additionally, the Dolphins made several cuts over the weekend, parting ways with veteran quarterback Jake Rudolph, veteran wide receiver Ricardo Lewis, linebacker Trent Harris, and defensive end Avery Moss. The Dolphins' decision to part ways with players who were all on the roster in some way, shape, or form throughout the 2019 season is a bit of a surprise, considering the mandated cut down to 80 players amid the COVID-19 pandemic was expected to drastically impact undrafted free agents from the 2020 draft, not players with a track record of already being on a roster. The Dolphins are showing a repeat in several trends with their decisions of roster transactions over the weekend, starting first and foremost with Shaheen. The Dolphins in 2019 never shied away from the challenge of bringing on an underachieving player that was a former high draft selection with the hopes of being able to tap into potential that somebody else saw in him but was unable to manifest at the NFL level. Shaheen is a height-weight-speed type mismatch player in the red zone, 6'6", 265 pounds. Uh, He runs a 4'7 in the 40-yard dash. But he has only caught a handful of balls over three seasons, averaging less than 15 receptions per season. And he's been a frustrating miss for the Chicago Bears. Well, for the Dolphins, he's not going to be expected to be the feature player at the position. And the Dolphins effectively got him for free, a conditional seventh You could snap your fingers during the NFL draft, slide down 10 spots, and pick up better than a seventh-round pick, what the Dolphins gave up for Adam Shaheen. What's interesting is this does not speak kindly to the forecast for Durham Smythe, the Dolphins wanting to get competition for a pass-blocking and run-blocking tight end for when the team needs to go with 12 personnel and get more than one tight end on the field at the same time. Whereas when you look at the players that the Dolphins cut, the saying goes, uh, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And the Dolphins last year 
opted against this. They got rid of a bunch of players who you knew exactly what they were. They were established at the NFL level, and they were all departed from the team for one reason or another in some way, shape, or form, whether they were traded, if they could get assets for them, or simply cut. You think about Robert Quinn and Ryan Tannehill and Kenyon Drake and, and Laramie Tunsil, and the Dolphins opted for youth. And amid the COVID-19 pandemic and, and the fact that teams were being tasked with cutting down their rosters to 80 players instead of the traditional 90 that you get in training camp, the Dolphins went the opposite way of what everybody expected, in which you heard that there were going to be premature cuts and it was assumed that, oh, undrafted free agents are going to get on the chopping block here because they don't have any film to stand on. They haven't had a chance to get in pads or get on the practice field and prove anything to their coaches. So the teams are going to gravitate more towards players that they, they've seen and they know what they have. Not the case for the Dolphins. They are again betting on the upside and promise of youth and gambling on their undrafted free agent class, opting to cut Jake Rudock, who was going to be quarterback for and probably a practice squad candidate no matter what, Ricardo Lewis instead of an undrafted free agent like Matt Cole or Kirk Merritt, opting to cut defensive lineman Avery Moss instead of Bryce Sterk or Tyshawn Render. The Dolphins, you know, the, the only undrafted free agent that the Dolphins have parted with thus far, they made five cuts was Ray Lima, who decided he wanted to retire from football and pursue other things. And even then, Brian Flores gave him a call and tried to talk him out of it. So the expectation that, oh, the premature roster cuts, it's going to hurt these undrafted free agents, apparently not for the Dolphins. The Dolphins are cutting veterans, and they're, they're trying to keep as many of these undrafted free agents in the building as possible. Some of that probably tying back to the success that the Dolphins have had with undrafted free agents, you look back to last year with Nick Neenum and Preston Williams, Shaq Calhoun, they probably feel like this is another opportunity to find a couple lottery tickets that turn into nice complimentary players. And the devil they don't know, conversely, is better than the devil that they do. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Whether you're looking for engine control modules, motor oil, brake lights, or new carpet for your daily driver or your classic, rockauto.com has everything that you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog that in just a few clicks can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com, they're the same for whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer, so why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts by shopping at other outlets? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto needs, and make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So the Dolphins made all these roster transactions. What do they mean? How can we interpret these transactions and, and kind of get some clues as far as what we should be reading between the lines. The first one I look at is the decision to cut Jake Rudolph. Quarterback who who's kind of lingered with the Dolphins for a while on the practice squad. Uh, had a, a really nice preseason last year for the Dolphins in 2019. And he's been cut before training camp even opens. Well, that's what happens when you have Ryan Fitzpatrick and two former top 10 overall picks in your building. Which is exactly what the Dolphins have in Josh Rosen and Tua Tungvaloa. 
And the decision to cut Rudox says to me the most about the immediate availability of Tua. Because you often hear teams talk about uh, camp arms and camp bodies. And with the amount of uh, wear and tear and volume of throws that have to be made, a lot of times you see a team that brings in a guy who is a UDFA and you know he's a UDFA, but he's got a live arm or you know maybe you think you can groom him into a, a, an eventual backup and that fourth quarterback that's present for training camp to help with the volume of throws. Well, granted, training camp's going to be different this year. But also, if Tua was not going to be immediately available based on the timeline set in place by the NFL and the NFLPA, as they've set in place their plan to return to football, the Dolphins would have two quarterbacks at the start of training camp who are capable of throwing the ball in Rosen and Fitzpatrick. So Tua came out last week and said he's ready to go. This move seems to back that up and further reinforce that Tua is ready to go. Will he be cleared for contact? I don't know. I, it's impossible to say. But at the very least, the first day that they put on caps, they go out on the field, and they throw the ball around, expect Tua to be amongst the group. Rosen, Fitz, and Tua. Because if he was not healthy, you would not want to fatigue Ryan Fitzpatrick, your presumptive starter's arm, with throwing half the reps for a full training camp practice. So that in itself is a promising omen for the immediate availability of Tua. Game situation, I don't know. But at least, you know, he's not going to be one of those guys that's on the bike on the sideline at camp just pedaling away, trying to stay loose. That won't be Tua, at least based off what the move is to and the decision to cut Jake Rudon. I do think... Uh, Raquan Davis is a winner amongst the cuts as well. And the reason being, you think about the Dolphins and how they're going to want to play defense this year, and there's going to be times and games where they play in odd fronts and they want to play in even fronts. And scheme diversity, you know, Avery Moss, heavy-handed, long-armed, fairly dense. He's like 270. But a guy at 270 playing him in the B-gap, you got to be strong as hell to thrive in that scenario. And uh, I, I think Raquan Davis is the beneficiary of the Dolphins cutting a guy who started eight games for the Dolphins last year. Played in 11, but started eight games. Played nearly 400 snaps for the Dolphins. Because when the Dolphins go odd front, they go three down linemen on the line of scrimmage. You're probably going to have Godshaw in the A-gap. You're going to have Wilkins in one of the 3-4 the defensive end roles. Shaq Lawson can do it. Emmanuel Ogba can do it. But those guys are 270, 270 pounds. Not dissimilar to what build you had in Avery Moss. Now, both of those guys are much better football players than Avery Moss. But Avery Moss was like a, a modest NFL defensive lineman. Raquan Davis is 6'6". 311 pounds. This man has 40 extra pounds on his frame than what Avery Moss did. So when the Dolphins go even fronts, the departure of Avery Moss seems to me like a potential clearing for him to be the third down lineman when those game situations call for 
on front defense. I think Raekwon can be fine as a pass rusher in the A-gaps. If you want to put him head up over the center and try and let him use his raw power on third and 10 or third and six, you could probably get away with that. I probably wouldn't have him on the field this early in his career on third and 15. But, you know, this is also a guy who, if you're going to go odd fronts at 311 pounds, he can play a single gap and he can shoot gaps. And that was the thing I looked at his athletic profile versus that of, of Avery Moss. These guys had similar linear explosiveness and similar lack of athleticism in lateral and tight angle situations. So, you know, a guy that's got to kind of bend the corner or turn the edge on the outside, neither one of these guys is going to do that. Avery Moss is built to do that with his weight at 270 pounds. Raekwon Davis, not so much. So you got two guys who can't bend the edge. You got two guys who could feasibly play in the B-gap, but one of them, Raekwon, is 311 pounds, 40 extra pounds to help his anchor with similar explosiveness to shoot gaps as Avery Moss. So I think Raekwon, you know, Dolphins, obviously Brian Flores, you saw him during the NFL draft when that card was turned in, and he was beside himself. He was so excited. This omen to me, this, this cut of Avery Moss, a guy who started eight games and not cutting like Tyshawn Render or Benito Jones or Bryce Stark says to me the Dolphins want to bet on their evaluation of Raekwon Davis and then they want to see if they can't strike goal with another one of these UDFA guys. Zach Seiler also in the mix, who they got off waivers from Baltimore last year. And the last thing that these cuts tell me is that the wide receiver six spot for the Dolphins is going to be a wild, wild west. The Dolphins chose to bring back Ricardo Lewis this offseason after he missed all of last year with an injury, after missing all of the previous year with an injury. They chose to re-up him and bring him back and then cut him when forced with making a decision. You would have thought the decision to bring him back would have bided well for a guy with NFL experience at the wide receiver position. Nope. I'm going to bet on Gary Jennings, who played like 60 snaps last year. Kirk Merritt. Cole. All these unproven guys, the Dolphins, they want, they want somebody to take that job. And granted, with durability concerns in the wide receiver room between Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, and Preston Williams, all of whom were, were injured, uh, at certain junctures of last season, Wilson being the only one that made it to the end of the year, but he needed the ramp up in the first half of the season to get even close to what he was like before he got hurt in 2018. Another injury risk at wide receiver seemed like one that the Dolphins weren't going to take. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they choose to address and tackle that wide receiver spot. Last thing I want to talk about today is in relation to uh, the current ongoing situation with the Florida Marlins. Uh, the Marlins MLB came back last week. They got through a weekend series. And the Marlins all of a sudden have 12 individuals on their roster that tested positive for COVID. They had three or four positive tests uh, yesterday, played a game 
stayed in Philadelphia, got tested, results come in, positive test explosion for the Marlins. And uh, I, I think there's a couple lessons here, and this is what I wanted to, this is the angle I want to talk about it from. Teams have to take a positive test extremely seriously, right? And the, the Marlins, they said, had a discussion with the positive tests, and they said not playing was never on the table for them. And I think that's a lesson that leagues like the NBA and the NHL and the NFL, as they attempt to come back, this is a lesson that you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to not put that decision in the hands of players because they're always going to choose to play. So this is the luxury, that the quote-unquote, I should say, luxury that the NFL has in allowing, with their timeline, themselves to digest all of the steps and precautions taken by European teams and then U.S. teams and U.S. leagues. The NBA in the bubble, the bubble method, and and it's going to be extremely difficult for the NFL to swing a bubble approach, which is going to put it on the discipline of the players to not put themselves in position to get this virus. But the NFL should be watching the NFL or the MLB extremely closely because the Marlins have now potentially jeopardized the season. NFL has to be able to process and view and pivot their return to play plans based on the merits and misdeeds of the other leagues. The NBA, you know, they've been having scrimmages for what I guess it's been a week, maybe. And this weekend is, I believe it's Friday, is their their opening return to play, their their return from the midseason break. And then they'll do their little round-robin thing, and then they'll go into the playoffs. But they're in a bubble in Orlando. NHL, they have hub cities that teams have to travel to. The NFL is trying to replicate, at this point in time, the MLB method, which is the one that has the the worst track record at this point, just based off of one less than a week of return to play, you have a team with an outbreak, and Atlanta had a couple catchers that had it. And then, you know, they had a scrimmage, and there's, there's speculation that it started at that point, and now they, they played a game with all these positives against the Phillies. Are we going to have to to gridlock the Phillies? And the Yankees are traveling to Philadelphia to play. Are they even going to play that game? There's a lot of questions. So... I would say this for the NFL. They are behind everybody else as it pertains to their calendar return to action. And if this is going to work and go off without a hitch the way they want it to, the NFL would be very wise to learn lessons from what is happening elsewhere. And it's extremely unfortunate that you know MLB is already in this spot. And how they choose to handle it is going to be uh, pretty fascinating because they've kind of regionalized the schedule. Could that be something we see the NFL do? Break this current schedule and stay in regions and say, okay, you know, we're going to have the Dolphins. They're going to play their AFC East opponents twice. They're going to play the Jaguars twice. They're going to play the Buccaneers twice. 
you know, and all of a sudden that, that's 10 games. We play maybe, a, we, we play the Falcons twice. And we play, hypothetically, you know, the Titans twice. Could the NFL kind of regionalize their schedule and pivot? I think there's a, there's a lot of tweaking on the fly that's going to have to be done by the NFL. And this situation with the Marlins is the best example as to why I think I'm very confident we're going to get some form of football. But if it's going to last and if it's going to work, NFL's got to keep their head on a swivel and they've got to be ready to change their plans as necessary. Tomorrow is Power to the Pot. It's your show tomorrow. We get to talk about the topics that you want to bring to the table. So make sure you tweet at LockedOnFins with a PH. Hashtag Power to the Pod with your question. Or you can submit your question via an iTunes review. I already have a couple. If you leave a five-star iTunes review, I promise you I will read your question. I have a couple makeups that were there but weren't showing up from last week's show. I have a couple new ones as well. So leave your questions, and we'll talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about tomorrow on the show. Kyle Krabs, signing up for Locked On Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and I hope you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins for the rest of the week. Dolphins players, the full team, back in the building tomorrow, so we're another step closer to return to football.